What is going on, guys? It is episode number 25 of Filmcast. 25. A quarter century. You better got a job by now, 25. <laughs> Get out of the house. You can't get a job. But anyways. All you do is eat shit and <laughs> sleep. That's all you do. Like, welcome 25. On, welcome on into this movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am Isaiah Bryant. With me, as always, it is Alex Green. And hey, welcome on in. It's Filmcast. Um... Nice to be back. Um, we we went a couple weeks there where it was like we're hit, struggling hit to get to get them in. Hit and miss, and I mean honestly, I feel uh, to a certain extent we were burnt out just a little tiny bit. Burnt out and twenty just episodes straight. Burnt, yeah, I mean we've been doing yeah. it since like what March? Yeah, almost a year now. I would say burnt out and just like work wears you out, man. Yeah, like you man. just don't want to do nothing. And man. also, I mean, we see so many movies. Like yeah, even do. even when we're not talking, when like when Alex and I are at the movies when. We're not talking about movies. I'm sitting at home studying movies. Like, yeah. I'm watching movies all the time. And not only that, like, we're not going right. to tell you which one, but we just got back from the movies, and we're kind of dying to talk about it now. Absolutely. Whereas we have a schedule, and we're yeah. going to talk about what we're going to so talk about. So next week, we'll be talking about The Lighthouse, yes. starring Robert Pattinson and Will Many Befell. feet. Just a little first reactions. No, no, nothing major. And we do talk about it a little in the second half of our episode, mm-hmm. probably. For sure, Um But today, we're going to be talking about... Uh, a little movie you might have heard uh, called The Shining. Shining, where things are you know, bright, you know? You know, um, it's a little film by this guy. Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, Mr. Cooperson? Uh, Staniel Stu- Cooperson? He, he, he built a house out of bricks? What? <laughs> Stanley Cooperson. <laughs> Stanley fucking yeah, um, Possibly the best filmmaker of all time. I'm gonna say yes. Possibly, he's made some um, of my favorite movies of all time. Ever. Every, pretty much every movie, like Touch of Darkness, even <laughs> like yeah. every movie is a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, the he's the iconic filmmaker. So we're going to talk about the probably his most famous movie, aside from 2001. Uh, 2001 is probably the most referenced. I I don't know. I'm gonna oh, actually, Clockwork. I don't even know about that. Clockwork is pretty magnificent. Well, I'm talking about the most popular. Oh, I mean, uh, you don't like think a, Clockwork is popular? Not more popular. Even Simpsons Shining. have like an iconic Bart Simpson. Like, I mean, they've done they've done. Yeah, I mean, you're saying like I'm talking about pop. They've done his Johnny too, though. Okay, sure, you're not wrong. And the I twins. Mean, I mean, I'm just biased because Clockwork is my favorite. Yeah, that's true. I'm just um, biased. That's so cool. we're talking about The Shining, 1980. Um, kind of the father of all those slasher movies, in a way. Father of slasher, but also the modern day. Psychological thrillers that were yeah, I mean, definitely. Came out first, I mean, it was was it uh, Rosemary's Baby came out first? Or? Oh yeah, Rosemary's Baby was out before this. So I don't know this whole era, not just Kubrick, but also Polanski. Even though he's a creep, yeah, like, Alfred Hitchcock to a certain extent. Yeah, a little earlier. I think like they made those movies and it was forgotten for a few decades until like recently in the past fifteen years, right. where the psychological horror movies that really like burrow under your skin. Right. Are showing up again. Whereas, like, it was filled in with slashers and Japanese adaptions. Right. And all that. Like, just, just a bunch of... Just all the elements of the movies without mm-hmm. the actual feeling yeah. of them. Like, because we, we didn't get a Rosemary's Baby or a Shining at all in the 90s or 2000s, did we? Can we compare Not particularly. Um, I mean, up until now with The Witch and all that, can, is there anything comparable to in the 90s, what they oh, were giving man. us before we were born? Like The 90s had some good 
had some good movies, but not not to the level of that. I mean, obviously not to the level of Shining. I don't think hardly anything's to that level. On the on the level of shi- uh, psychological thrillers, like psychological, can we compare anything in the past few decades up until now? Honestly, that match it. Um, like, uh, I feel like this current generation maybe Kate is- Fear. Okay. Which is Scorsese and De Niro. Yes, it is, and that is hard. Um, which is a, it's a good little psychological. Oh, hey, uh, Shutter um, Island. Shutter Island is another one. It's That's Scorsese. psychological hardcore. Um, but uh, obviously there are more. Gothica is another one that I like. That's a 2000s movie, but still. But like, would uh, you agree that like the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s are oversaturated with slasher, oh, yeah, teen, by far. screen by movies far. and all? But I think that that's the element of the cheapness of them. You know what I mean? I mean, blood effect, you know, you can buy that in corn syrup. It's no no problem. Like, if I were to go back... As opposed to building... And also, the script is another mm-hmm. thing. The script is so much cheaper than actually building out, like, an actual thriller yeah. and, and having to, you know, connect this dot to this dot. And it's just... One thing I'll say, though, is if I were to go back in time and, like, in a time machine and go back in, like, the 6th or 7th grade when I'm, like, 12 or 13 and I take a date and go, hey... You think the ring is scary? And well, I take her. Let's go watch The Shining. No, not even that. I take her into the future and show her hereditary, and then that's true. And then after that movie's <laughs> over, I drop her back off in the past. Right. And then no I'm other. I'm just gonna psychologically traumatize like, this woman. <laughs> <laughs> like no other movie after that. Like I drop her back off in 2006 or whatever. Like Shudder, Boogeyman, no one of those like other. Oh no, I will say Shudder's a good one. Okay, but none of those are going to like, yeah, scar right. her on the level you're of right. hereditary did. Or the witch in the, to a certain extent. So it's like, I feel like ever since like those psychological movies like Shining, there's been like a 30-year gap up until recently right. where it's gotten really serious. I, I'd say crazy. like the early 2010s to now. It's kind yeah. of, it's it's had a resurgence by far. It's, I think it's witch a horror kind of started it a little bit. To a certain extent, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff before that. but Mandy. All these other... Mandy, I mean, yeah. Mandy's new. They were like, really getting out there. And I think, to a certain extent, even more than the... Pred- new super superhero genre. Ooh, maybe. Well, no, we'll talk, we'll have talk been about explored, that Whereas, like, I feel like horror is now just being recently tapped into seriously. Again. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. I mean, to, you, would, you could say that the horror movies of the 80s and 90s were tapping into horror. They were just a different aspect of horror. True. You know what I mean? Because they're a great... I mean, Candyman, they're, they're great horror movies that are slashers yeah. that have something to say but I think that even more so being, than being the father of slashers let me correct my earlier statement The Shining is the father of all these current thrillers yeah. that we're getting mm-hmm. like I mean there's a pretty direct correlation between like Shelley Duvall's performance in The Shining and Tony Collette in Hereditary for yeah. instance like that performance is a one to one almost mm-hmm. of that descent into if they were to see back to back, though, oh boy, that's so much screaming. <laughs> it's just like, all right, my ears need and a break. It's coming off, and <laughs> so The Shining, um, notoriously adapted from the seventy-seven Stephen King novel. Um, adapted is probably the worst word that could ever be used for it's this. It's the most artistic take on it. It's um, The Shining, Stanley Kubrick Shining is. It's like a like a carry on crow, <laughs> and it's picking the body of the Stanley of the Stephen yeah. King Shining because it's nothing alike. It's it's Kubrick's own take on it. It's yeah, really and, all, and it's almost original. Almost yeah, original. Um, the script is written by Stanley himself and novelist Diane Johnson. Um, written daily, uh, they did have a, a script like a presented idea, 
But the script changed so much every day that Jack Nicholson said that he threw away the script they gave him at the beginning because there were going to be new pages written that day. Um, It was basically adapted on the fly. That's cool. Um, Which is great, but also incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating, Um, but like it worked out. Yeah, it did, for sure. And I mean, that's always, that's kind of like the crux of Stanley Kubrick's legacy. It's like incredibly difficult, but it's just, it worked. It's like Danny DeVito says in It's Always Sunny, painting has paint, pain, pain is in it. Yeah, it has pain. Like, I mean, just, they struggle through, just like uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Like, The Room is a horrific atrocity, but it's one big tragic beauty masterpiece to some people very true so it's like then there was a lot of struggle on that set that everyone wanted to just go home like when they're making that movie it's the same thing with shining it's um you know they were just doing it as they went along made everyone miserable but like the cult following that comes behind it yeah it's worth it and i think um it it, like i said i mean as as it was written every day it kind of changed the thing but i mean visually the film is set in its ways. Like, that elevator opening and blood pouring out, that storyboard had to be... You know what I mean? Like, now the trappings around, what happens around it, yeah, whatever. But those moments, like, you know, Danny riding his big wheel and he sees the two girls for the first time, and it's just like, oh my God. Not only just that, but, like, the camera following him with every turn in the hallway. Yeah, like- and it, it, it builds on... I mean, we're, we're going to be all over the place. This movie's, at this point... 30 years old. Honestly, there's uh, really no point going step by step of how the movie it's plays It's The out. Shining. You've seen The Shining. And not only that, but just it's so goddamn dense. Like oh, the whole yeah. movie. movie was, like, we were watching it because uh, we recently rewatched it. Um, we're over at my house and we're watching, watching, watching. And I'm like, man, can we just like finish this tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, because we were 40 minutes in and I was like, this movie has two hours left. And not only that, but like, the 40 minutes we were in was crazy heavy because like yeah it's after so dense. like uh scatman like after his like uh whole scene you know we were just like stay like, out yeah and stay like, out room and then, 237 like, when the scene ends and like the tra- like the streaming mandated advertisements come on we were just like oh. yeah like wow that was the it almost like performance it's like, like you almost don't notice that you're holding your breath yeah. during moments in this movie like, because me and you, we watch a lot of stuff when we yap as right. it goes along. But you and I were like hypnotized like zombies just watching that whole yeah. thing between him and Danny. And it's and weird because all during all the rest of the movie, because I mean, we've obviously both seen The Shining mm-hmm. a million times. Mm-hmm. During the rest of the movie, we're talking, gabbing, doing whatever. But then there are moments in this where you just stop. Yeah. And like everything ha- it like has to be done. And he's explained to Danny, it's just like me and my, you know, grandmother, we can have whole conversations without saying one word. To right. Me. And then just you and I with like our mouths open like zombies just it's watching just like, the screen like and it wasn't until it cuts to the commercial that you and I snapped out of the like hypnotism yeah. of like Whoa, okay. Like, because it's just, it, I mean, obviously the movie... It's almost a form of hypnotism that Kubrick was trying to do. It really is. I mean, I mean, it's a combination of the music in the background because mm-hmm. they're in the kitchen in that scene, so mm-hmm. there's like this droning of, you know, uh, in, what are they called? The um, White noise? The refrigerator compressor. Ah, yeah. The, compre- the noise of the refrigerator compressor just in the background while they're talking, so it's kind of just this droning, and it really does kind of lull you into a hypnosis in a way, and I mm-hmm. think... A lot of scenes do that in this with intention. Like, I think he's doing that on purpose to show you exactly how Jack's going to be feeling throughout the movie. I mean, I'm not trying to get far out now, but Kubrick is 
it's just a fact. He is a mathematical genius. Yeah, it's very true. So like he can him, get a frequency that can yeah, like frequencies with sound waves and all it's that. It's possible. Like, and especially with the visuals and the timing and all that, like. He had everything down to a T. Yeah. Kind of like Wes Anderson does. Like, he has to have everything visually and, like, sounding exactly the way Oh, yeah, be. very true. Whereas I think, like, Kubrick was on, like, the way deeper level. Like, he just... So, us getting, like, in a mild, hallucinant, like, state kind of, like, a hypnosis-type state... Right. Isn't that far-fetched? In no, I wouldn't, believe, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say at all. I think that it's very much... Um, as much as, I mean, I guess you'll appreciate this. As much as Clockwork Orange has that kind of mood to... I love and not saying that you should, and you definitely shouldn't. But the same way that Clockwork Orange has that, like, enticing towards violence, in mm-hmm. a way. Like, when you watch it, you feel like, oh, I've done something wrong. It, well, it makes violence beautiful. Yeah. Clockwork Orange. It's- and it makes, it, it, it does it specifically through the way that, that the character sees it, that Malcolm sees yeah. it. You know what I mean? You're seeing the beauty that Alex DeLarge is seeing. Exactly. So when Malcolm McDowell is like dancing all around, you're like, oh, I understand this. And The Shining does the same thing. So you get that kind of empathizing, I guess is the wrong word. It's painting the portrait that the character is seeing. Right. It's painting the art that the person is seeing in an artistic manner. And in, in the way that Clockwork Orange does that with violence, I think that The Shining does that with I guess you could say unsettling. Yeah, for sure. Or unease yeah. is kind of the way because it's such a like it, it's almost like you're seasick when you watch this movie. You're just like, oh boy, mm-hmm. what's gonna happen next? Yeah, or especially for someone. I would love to be with somebody that hasn't seen this movie yet. Yeah, and like watch it for the first time with them mm-hmm. because it's just like there are moments in the movie where you're going along and you completely understand it. Yeah. And the next scene will happen, and you're like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Jack Torrance is just a normal dude who... Is getting cabin fever. Yeah, he's a former alcoholic. Well, there's no such thing as a former alcoholic, but he's an alcoholic recovering. And he had an issue with his son, uh, where he got a little too angry and snatched his arm out of soccer. Toddler, like- yeah, when someone was a kid. His son was like three or four at that point. Probably even younger. It's just just crazy. But um, him and his family, including his wife, uh, Wendy, and his son, Jack. So Jack, Jack, and, or excuse me, no. Um, Doc is what they call him. What's his, uh, what's his name? Well, he's um, Dan, uh, Danny, Danny. That's right. Daniel Excuse Torrance. me, Danny Torrance. And Tony is his... And Tony is the little... The boy that lives in, in his, his mouth. Throat. Yeah, in his mouth. Uh, and... and you guys have seen The Shining. So Jack yeah. moved, they move into this hotel to get some solace, get a nice breakaway. It's just going to be them all winter long. And the previous caretaker of the winter chopped his family in little pieces with an axe. Was it the previous or was the hotel had the history of one of the caretakers that did that? No, was I, it the I'm, guy right before I'm him? I'm pretty sure it was the guy before him. Okay. Because I, I can't remember, I'm fuzzy. It was in the office meeting with the manager of the hotel in the beginning. And he says that our previous caretaker, he either says previous or last caretaker, something like that. But I don't believe it was a, a while ago. Mm. Like He says our previous caretaker, Mr. Grady, yeah, killed yeah. his family and stacked their bodies all up in a room. Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. Now, See, that's how dense the movie is. Yeah. Like, we just watched it. Yeah, we just like, watched it a week ago. 
Yeah. But also, I mean, there's this, the hotel has a legacy itself. Uh, we theorized about it while we were watching um, about the party that took place and uh, echoes in time, all sorts of things. Like I said, the movie's dense as fuck. Yeah, it is. Uh, but for the most part, Jack is being accosted, isn't the right word? Uh, influenced mm. by the spirit of Mr. Great. Whatever curse. Well, a spirit, yeah, because it it takes many forms. So basically, um, Jack goes about his daily duties, and Wendy goes about her daily duties, you know, taking care of the hotel, keeping it running. Um... But as Jack is working on his book, he is a writer. He works on his book in one little area. He's real mean to Wendy about, don't come in this area. <laughs> it's um, about thick time. When you hear me writing or not writing, <laughs> stay the fuck out. <laughs> but um, as he's writing his book, um, Wendy comes down. And she's like, there's someone in the hotel with us. She said, there's someone in the hotel with us. Oh, no, excuse me. First, uh, Danny comes in, and, and he has marks around his yep, neck. And yeah, she thinks... has hand marks. And she immediately accuses Jack because of previous mm-hmm. uh, happenings. I mean, you snatch a three-year-old up, that's what's going to happen. And what's the difference when he's like seven? Exactly. Like, um, so she, at first, accuses him. She knew it would happen again. Blah, 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 blah. And then she returns... And says there's someone in the hotel with him. And so he's, he's just like, you're crazy. There's nobody in this hotel. Blah, 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 blah. And to get away, he goes to the bar. Oh, no. Excuse me. Is that after he... After That's Danny? what I'm saying. Like, this movie is way too dense. Like, uh, We're not going to go step by step on this. It's just too much. I can't. But I believe that he chokes... Uh, like, well, he, no. Like, when he Danny gets accused... The marks, when he gets accused... He goes to the he bar. He goes to the bar. When he comes back is when she comes back in. And then he talks to her like she's a crazy person. Yes, even because... Even though he was just in a ballroom with a... Like, with a bar. So <laughs> that's that's the other part of it. So Dan, uh, Jack goes into the bar and he sees a bartender there and... Um, Can't live with them. Can't live without they're them. They're alone in this hotel... So he sees this bartender and he says the crucial words, to me at least. He said, I'd sell my soul for a goddamn drop of beer. <laughs> and what do you know? The bartender produces a drink for him. So, it, and it, and it kind of, from that point on, the story kind of twists into Jack's madness and his descent into trying to hunt down his own family with an axe, um, <laughs> killing Scatman Carruthers, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it all spirals downhill from there. Yeah. But from that moment on, it's kind of like, oh shit. Now we because to that point, like yeah, Danny's seen stuff, but Danny can shine, so we assume that Danny would see stuff because yeah. he sees echoes of stuff. He's mm-hmm. seen the hotel before they even get there. Mm-hmm. But this is the first instance where we see Jack seeing something. Mm-hmm. And once we see Jack seeing something, and then making. Making communion with it, I guess, is the best way to put it. That's when it's like, oh, man, here we go. It makes you wonder if Jack was a shiner. But at the same time, he may have genuine mental issues simultaneously. Right. And also, I mean, alcohol withdrawal. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do that he said he was three five months. Five months. Three, five months five sober. Months. Yeah. Well, hey, that's not good for you, man. Very good. <laughs> you don't get a chip until six, but go ahead. Um, it's It's just... A great fucking movie. Um, visually, it's incredible. 
I mean, uh, Stanley Kubrick basically did everything he wanted to. So the exterior shots of the Overlook Hotel in the movie aren't the real one. aren't the real hotel mm-hmm. that they used for the interior of the hotel. Mm-hmm. They also built sound stages on the interior um, to kind of have specific setups and etc. You know how mm-hmm. movies are made, guys. Hotels historic, so they're not going to do crazy stuff. In yeah, there. but it was built out as Stanley Kubrick did like to do. He liked to build out a set so that he could just have free reign on the set. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eyes Wide Shut, he rebuilt New York in London. Uh, just a, a little yeah, tip no, for you. That's awesome. Um, but in this one, it's just incredible. There are moments where you get these long views of the hotel. Either it's you know Danny riding on his big wheel, going through it, and you see every nook and cranny of it on that. Or Jack in his study, essentially, mm-hmm. and it's big ass windows in the back, and Jack's just this little guy. It, it it uses it uses the frame really nice. Like it paints picture every time. Yeah, man. It's yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, you just, that's it. That's really it. Just that interior is beautiful. Like I kind of want to stay there personally. Just like oh, yeah, yeah. not you just that, but like the the carpet. I mean, the, it's the carpet's not the same anymore, but like. The metal chandelier kind of thing yeah, hanging from the freaking. ceiling and the candles. Like, that's all there and, like, the bearskin rugs and all that, like... Would you want to stay in room 237? Oh, 237, I don't think... I mean, I would stay there now, but, like, 237 is the fictional room. In real life, I think it's 217. Uh, right, actually. but, uh, well, whatever the real room is. I'm I mean, like, if, like I stay, stay the Stanley, room? if I lived in the Stanley... If I lived in the Stephen King universe, would I stay in 237? No, 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 in real life. If oh, yeah, I mean, Overlook, or would you yeah. stay in 237? Yeah, 237 is not haunted. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made that up for the book, whereas it was okay. 217 in real life. But I'm saying, if you, would you stay in 217 in that case? Yeah, that's the princess room. Oh, that's... man. Oh, no, man, you're going to see an old lady in the bathtub and you're going to be done. <laughs> that was... <laughs> Donezo. She's going to choke you out. The, the real myth of the hotel is you wake up and all your f- clothes are folded. It's a maid that comes into your room. And, like, takes care of your stuff. And then, like, that's really it. Or your sheets are folded when you wake up and, like, you don't have sheets over you. Okay, shit. But, like, it's nothing, like, it's no evil, like, naked lady with ulcers all around her and, like, weird fissures and stuff. Like, weird fissures. Oh, yeah. I didn't like Speak no more of it. But, like. I used to have to close my eyes at that scene. The real myth at the hotel is, like. Still kind of do. The real myth of the hotel is, like, it folds your laundry and, like, your sheets. In the real hotel. Yeah, in yeah. real life. So, like, sure, I would stay in that hotel, 217. 237 is made up for the movie, but... Right. The actual hotel room where Stephen King was inspired to make the story was... was 217. I think it's 217. Interesting. But, and, but um, it's not mean at all. In the a room. good change, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, for the most part, a lot of the changes, I mean... Uh, the movie really, like I said, it takes off from there. Uh, Wendy goes a little crazy. Um, Wendy goes very crazy. Yeah. Um, and that can Rightfully also... Rightfully so, too, though, a little bit. Yes, and that does get into uh, a little problematic area of the film. Miss um, <laughs> uh, Shelley Duvall, one of the finest actresses. Well, she was in this and then another movie, and that was about it. But... Um, potential. During the during the making of the film, Stanley Kubrick was a real um, kind of the worst person ever. <laughs> yeah, he kind of terrorized um, her on the set. Yeah, he would um, go be outside of her hotel, make sure she wake up at all random times of the night. She'd have to be to set at two a.m. and no one else was there. They'd just scare her. Uh, 
all kinds of things. They wouldn't let her sleep. They'd make her do take after take where she was screaming over and over so that the effect would build up, you know, an anxiety attack type of feeling. A lot of crazy stuff done. Um, Back in the 70s, you can kind of do that to actors, which was strange. (laughs) Like, I mean, Smokey and the band of the dude just would smack a lady out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah. not scripted or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and I think it's it's one of the... And I mean, there's a there's a good amount of them, I would say. But it's one of the darker sides, the downer sides of Kubrick's career is that he did things like that. Uh, he did some shadier things as well. We'll talk about Kubrick at length one day. But it, it was just... It brings up that question of how much can, how much should be done and how much should be allowed in the sake of creating art. I mean... Especially if the person if the person consenting to it is shady in the... You know what I mean? The consenting is a little shady in that area. Well, I mean, when you're asking that question, you also got to think, like, that stuff's not flying today. Yeah, absolutely not. So yeah. it's like... I don't know. I feel like that it had its time then. And, and it's been addressed more or less. For the most part. Like yeah. if, I mean, if there's anything crazy that a modern day director has had, it will probably come out 10 years from now or so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But like, for the most part, the general consensus is you can't do, you can't pull that stuff. No, you get reported, you get reported to yeah, the so, Actors Guild immediately. So, yeah, it was wrong when he did the Shelley Duvall and like terrorizing her and all that. And you know what? Even to this day, she's still alive. Her mental health is not great at all. Yeah, and right I mean, to to the credit, for uh last interview I saw, she's not... She was with Dr. Phil last I saw. Yeah, she was She was talking about it. Um, but since then, that was years and years ago, wasn't it? It was, was like early about 2010s. Three, no, that was probably about two, three years ago. Really? Do, uh, Dr. Phil did some weird expose on her. Oh, wow. And it didn't really feel genuine. It felt like he was just trying to make money off of right. doing an interview with Shelley Duvall. Yeah, like, And she's like talking about craziness, like... I'm sure. Modern, like, schizophrenic stuff she's talking about. Right. And, like, Dr. Phil's just... I don't know. It didn't feel right. It's like, it's one of those things where it's just... You're, you're kind of like, eh, I don't... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a little... It's a little out there. But... Uh, but I'm not going to blame Kubrick for her current... Yeah, just, I like, mean, it's, I'm it's, not going to blame necessarily yeah. the fans for, like, uh, Jake Lloyd... From, uh, oh, from Phantom, Phantom Menace. Menace. Having yeah. his mental problems now. Like, I, I just think it's, it's hereditary. It's something that when we mention the movie, we do have to mention as well. Mm-hmm. Where it's yeah. like, you can't have one without that. Yeah, you're not wrong. Now, to to put the put some pebbles on the other side of the pendulum, or the other side of the scale, I'd say, it's an incredible performance. You know, absolutely. Like, and a world-renowned, she's like, she's a scream queen forever. Mm-hmm. Like, Shelley Duvall is one of the best horror actresses, before, uh, just with one movie. Before Jamie Lee was a scream queen, she yeah. was a scream queen. Like, absolutely, and I mean, uh, I think... Coming up the steps backwards with the bat, yes, swinging it. Yes, like, just terrified. Like, that was real. None yeah, of that absolutely. was fake. All of that was real. And I, I think that um, her performance is kind of the anchor of the movie, because she's... More or less, she's the sane one mm-hmm. in the story out of the three of them. Because yeah. Danny's going crazy. And there's a point where Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Like, he literally leaves his body. His split personality takes over. So, and Jack obviously is is either possessed by something or has been aroused by something. Mm-hmm. And she's the linchpin in the whole thing. Yeah. Like, she's the one that contacts Scatman. Or attempts to contact him when, you know, she contacts the police, etc. the ghosts et are the ones who alarm him. Yeah, the ghosts are the ones that alarm him. And then she's the one that 
let gets Danny out of the window. It leads to the great here's Johnny moment, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one that gets away. Eventually, she's the, the hero of the movie, more or less. Yeah. And to have such a strong performance of a person be, being terrified. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the person that's crazed with terror is the linchpin of the whole movie. Yeah. It's for like, sure. All right, sure, why not? <laughs> but she does a great job, man. I mean, if you're going to get the most out of her, you might as well give her the most to do. Very true. And she's the one actually taking care of the hotel. Yeah, she like, really while, was. Like, while Jack is writing. Literally just writing and typing the same old thing like an idiot. Yeah. Like, just like... A big old possessed idiot. Like, just a big old dope. Like, <laughs> Meanwhile, she's checking valves and... Doing inventory in the, like, the, meat, like, right, the meat freezer and all that stuff. Like, just... And she, and she also... She's the heart of the movie, too. Because she kind of... Obviously, she's the she's a great mother to Danny. She really cares about him. When he's hurt, she was there for him. But she also loves her husband too. Yeah. When he had his drinking problems, she didn't. She leave. wants the best for him, but like absolutely, she's prepared for the worst though. She wants the best, but naively so. Yeah. I feel. Well, I mean, it's the same thing where like any person's in a man or female is just born there in an abusive relationship, and they go, "I can change him." Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, he's, he won't do it again. And when really she could have maybe have changed him, like, he, if like, dang if it was, it, didn't come get him. they didn't go to that hotel, like, yeah, whereas, it's like, and, and I don't even say it's her changing him, like, he, I feel like, made the conscious choice to stop because he knew it was wrong to keep going, yeah. but it wasn't until the hotel that influenced him to keep doing it. So it's like, so it's not her changing him, it's him making that choice himself, and it really probably would have worked if it wasn't for the goddamn hotel. Like, it's very possible. I mean, so, five months sober is an accomplishment, man. It's like, a, that's, yeah, and like he's just a few weeks away from six. So it's just it, and I guess that it was destiny for him to go to that hotel. And absolutely, and I the mean, reincarnation of someone else before him. Like, and that does uh, it lends into Danny. Um, which let me find that actor's name because Danny did a great job, even for a child actor. Which I've had my gripes. About I looked child him actors. up, but he hasn't been in like really anything. nothing else. Yep. Um, uh, not anything of substance, at least that I know of. Uh, but I remember he looks like an older guy, you know, bald head, you know, like yeah, he's just a normal cat now. He's like a friend of yours from like elementary school, like during like like carpool pickup. It's growing you know, up when the now. the parents pick up their kid, like right, like the car lane. Like, and that's, I mean, that's what he looks like. <laughs> but a great performance, I mean... Yeah, for a kid. And, and, and like you said, it was it was meant to happen because Danny sees the hotel before they get there. Mm-hmm. He knows what's going to happen. Like, or he doesn't know what happened, what's going to happen, but he has a feeling. Yeah. And he doesn't know it because he doesn't understand Shining at that point. It's like kind of like how Dr. Manhattan perceives time, like... Yeah, it's there's like nothing, he just knows it's gonna happen. And there's nothing really like he. Can it's do just an it. event yep. that takes place. Mm-hmm. Elevator opens and there's just a bunch of blood. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, Danny gets to the hotel and immediately gets these bad vibes. Talks to Cap- Scatman Carruthers. I'm sorry, what's his name in the story? His name is um, Mr. Holloway. Holloway. Oh, Dick Holloran. Dick Holloran. Dick Holloran. Yeah, that's a great name. That's, that's <laughs> a great a movie great name. name. Um, but, um, he, yeah, he speaks with Dick Holleran and kind of gets the, the rundown on the hotel, which is kind of our only, aside from the interview scene at the very, very beginning, Dick Holleran is our only solid lore on the hotel mm-hmm. that we know for sure. 
Like he tells us that it's he's the only lore in a sense of his own secrecy, right? Like, like he's the only one that knows something through his secrecy. He's letting us know that there's way more to the hotel than we even know. Like right, and Danny immediately starts to experience it. I mean, he's riding his big wheel through the halls, which is great. It's just a great, great moment of because he doesn't show you the twins, or excuse me, they're not twins; they're sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, Two years apart, actually. But uh, he, he, Kubrick doesn't show the kids immediately. He lets he lets Danny ride his big wheel all around the hotel for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes at that point, without anything interrupting. Mm-hmm. So that it lulls you into this false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, he's gone around these corners a billion times, it's nothing, whatever. So that when you do see the kids, it's an actual shock. Instead mm-hmm. of just, his first day in there, he turns the hall and says, yeah. oh, these kids, weird... But when he first, when he finally sees him, it's it's a payoff of all that build up of uh, turning mm-hmm. the corner because you know it's a scary movie, yeah. right? And not at that point in the eighties, but people know that you're gonna get startled, you mm-hmm. know, Jack in the Box, etc. Yeah. So going around these corners, every time you're expecting something, you're expecting something, you're expecting something, and it just doesn't happen when you think it's gonna happen. Yeah, for and sure. just seeing him ride, obviously the sound is another big thing because mm-hmm. there's wooden floors, but there's also rugs and carpets in the hotel. Mm-hmm. So he'll be going over a wood floor, and it's the tires, mm-hmm. and, then and then it'll flat. stop. Yeah, and then it, and it'll stop, mm-hmm. and it does that so many there's times. There's no musical score; it's just the yeah. solid, just him going, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. Like so, when it really sets does, the mood exactly, and when he finally does see the girls, um, he sees them first. Obviously, everyone has seen this shot. Well, probably one, of the, most, one like, of the most famous shots in movies, Yeah, I'd say. I mean, they've done parodies of it. Like, in, in it's Family Guy, everywhere. Stewie turns yeah. around the corner and the girls show up and he pulls out a rocket launcher yeah. and kills them. I like, think they did it in a scary movie back then. Yeah, the uh, lots of things have done. Uh, everything. Um, but he obviously comes around the corner and he sees these girls and they tell him to come play with them. And I love that it has the flashes of the aftermath of mm. them being killed. And his face is like spazzing out. Yeah, like, so it has obviously this long ass hallway. It has these girls. Then it'll flash the girls dead on the floor, bloody, and the entire the walls and the ceiling are just splattered with blood. That's the thing. The shri- uh, shiners they don't just connect with one another. They can commune with the dead too. Yeah, like, they see everything. Yeah, they like they're no they're filter. all spectrums of the X Men characters. Yeah, like, in regards to psychicness and all that. And it's just. It's such a good moment. I mean, even in the directing of it, to cut between seeing the girls, seeing the bodies, then cut to Danny's just terrified face, mm-hmm. cut back to the girls, cut back to the bodies. Like, it's just, just like, we get the effect, man. We get it. It's very scary. It's awesome. And there's just that ear piercing, like that ringing sound, yeah. all like Danny's head shaking and spazzing out. Because, and we hear that multiple times when, when he's shining, you yeah. know, we, we get that kind of. Same thing with Scatman, like when he's in Miami and he's laying in his bed just chilling, and then like pictures he goes of black in, queens on the wall, yeah, he's just hanging out, and then he goes into that weird trance and he's just looking up at the ceiling, and like, he's seeing what Danny's seeing, yep. and in that moment, obviously but they do the same ear piercing, like, yeah, ringing sound. Um, it's just it's the coolest way to do it. I, I mean, I read the book, The Shining, way way back. I think I was in middle school, maybe, mm. so I definitely didn't understand. It. <laughs> now I saw the TV movie. Of The Shining, which is okay. Croquet mallet. Who are you going to kill with that? It's going to break after one hit. This movie was just... The, the the TV special was just like... 
uh, King's middle finger to yeah, Kubrick. Yeah, his, like, his big fuck you back. He's like, here, I'm going to use the exterior to the hotel you filmed at, mm-hmm. but I'm going to use the interior of something you didn't film in. Yeah. It's just like, I'm going to do the opposite it's of like, you. Oh, it's just like, right, fuck you, bro. With your like, demon possession and all this other shit. It's like, ah. But the, the original interior is far superior to the interior. Yeah, it, no To the TV version. It's just awful. But uh, whatever. What were we going to say? Um, that really, I mean, we've talked about, we kind of gave a, a brief overview of the Overlook. <laughs> we yeah. didn't want to talk too much about The Shining just because we could literally talk forever about The yeah, Shining. Yeah, this, this but movie's almost religious in a lot of ways. We have to talk about the most important aspect of The Shining now. What? And that's one Mr. Jack Torrance, uh-huh. uh, played by one Mr. Jack Nicholson. Who? Ah, uh, boy. Um, one of, if not the best horror movie performance like it's really that good it's so good yeah no he is pretty incredible um, um he's terrifying he's sympathized like you sympathize with him mm-hmm. at the moments when he breaks through yeah you sympathize with jack torrance i'm trying to think of something that can rival in regards to horror performance i'm trying to think but he's uh, top max von Sydow maybe in the exorcist mm-hmm. maybe yeah. Um, but he wasn't the exorcist. He was the the priest. He was the priest. Yeah. He, so well, he was saying, the exorcist. Yeah, no, but he wasn't like the person possessed. He wasn't like, yeah. the monster. Well, I just like, mean just as a uh, just a male performance. I'm talking about like in regards to just scary, like oh yeah, um, actual like monster performance. Like Jack Nicholson is top dog. I know I'm gonna think of a bunch when I when we get off air. Yeah, no, <laughs> for that now mean, like, I can't think. Whenever of it, it yeah. counts, we can't think of it. Like that's yeah. I'm just thinking that, like, obviously, Cape Fear, we mentioned that one. <laughs> yeah, Robert De Niro, but and that was great. I just think that this one was, I mean, obviously, Jack Nicholson has had a long career, a long, long career mm-hmm. of being just incredible. Yeah. I mean, this, and Chinatown, and Batman, even, for sake. Yeah. Like, he really is just incredible. Cuckoo's um, Nest, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's oh, Nest. Oh, flat One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Anger Management is another one. Yeah, he was great. Um, Departed is another one. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's incre- He's he's good in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was one of those movies where it's just like... I, I'm not sure if this is the first Jack movie I saw. Maybe... Hmm... First Jack movie I saw. That's this, might have been, this might have been the first Jack movie I ever saw. Hmm. Um, but I say, I say that to say that I think this one is the best one you could possibly see first. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's really great. Uh, there's this great video. I think Nerdwriter did it about uh, Jack Nicholson and anger. Mm. Like all the different portrayals of anger that he's had in his career and how he does it physically mm-hmm. and how, et cetera, et cetera. And in this one, it's kind of that same thing. Jack Torrance is just like a seething, like everything is under the surface. Even when he's first meeting with the people in the beginning about uh, the interview about the job. yeah. He's just like bearing it into him. Yeah, and it seems like he's kind of rude. Like he's very anim uh animos animos he's, um, <laughs> Anim- uh, disingenuous about everything. Yeah, so. he seems like very com- confrontational, I guess yeah. is the best way. And then over the course of that, it the performance changes from like being this under the surface thing to like it peeking out at moments where he yells at Wendy for the first time, for instance, and then later on when he um when he sticks Jack on his knee. Yeah. He's like, you know, I would never do anything to hurt. It's like you pulled my arm out of the socket when I was three, but whatever. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's such a performance, dude. Like, I'm, I was genuinely terrified of Jack the first time I saw him. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, it's not only Nicholson's credit, but Cooper. Cooper brings it out of his... I mean, we can sit here and talk about the morals and ethics of his methods all day yeah, long. Yeah, it's but, very true. But, like, he brings out the most insane... Results are results. And, like, I'm not justifying any of it. Yeah. It's just, like, he brings out the most insane, real things on camera you're, you're ever going to see. Like, uh, I mean... He just, he's a ma- he was, excuse me, rest in peace. He was a master at getting a performance out of someone. Uh, I think Tarantino is the same way. Tarantino, uh, H- absolutely. Hitchcock is the same way. But, but just like. Tarantino, I feel like, uses less fear, whereas Tarantino is mostly on the same page as the actors. Right. He gets it's with. a relating thing with him. Whereas, like, Kubrick would put a person on board and be like, okay, you're going to play this person. It's all going to yeah, be you're, great. You're Little this do guy. You know, I'm going to put tons of scary booby traps in your fucking like and like terrorize you for the rest of your it, life. um it really makes me think of like uh stanley kubrick is a guy that has a bunch of uh, gi joe figures yeah he can pose them and do whatever he wants that's how his actors are on set mm-hmm. and i mean to we've gotten behind the scenes things of you know malcolm mcdowell talking about him jack nicholson talking about him but they all swear by him when they when they do talk about it, they talk about how difficult he was. They but he's talk the most about professional uh, too. Yeah, and they talk about what a perfectionist he was. Mm. Like he got exactly what he wanted, and if you didn't do exactly what he wanted, you were going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a very contract. famous. Yeah, you signed the contract. You just hold it up to him. Yeah. Um, there's a very famous example uh, in Eyes Wide Shut. My personal Stanley fa- favorite Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> um, where he made Tom Cruise. There's a moment in Eyes Wide Shut early on. Tom Cruise picks up a phone to answer it. Doctor, uh, patient calling. He's a doctor. And Tom Cruise had to put the phone down and do two, I think it was almost 200 takes of Jesus. picking this phone up and saying hello. Picking the phone up and saying hello. Picking the phone up and saying hello. Until he got it right. So he had to walk in the door, That's come crazy. in, pick up the phone and say hello. That's crazy. But basically, Kubrick's reasoning was, I want, I want you to do it so many times that you actually feel like you're tired as fuck coming home, and now you have to pick up the phone. Mm. So you're going to do it over and over. And he, he actually, I, if I remember the story correctly, it was that Kubrick had a, an assistant director, the first AD, run the operation, and he wasn't even there. Mm. So that he was like, by the time I get there, you're going to be on take blah, blah, blah. And you'll be ready to get into it. So those takes don't even matter. You're just doing the shit to do it. Just punishing them for like <laughs> so it's just not showing up. Yeah, it's just so there's so many things that he did. Obviously, Jack Nicholson playing yes. Jack Torrance mm. um, did so many things over and over. That uh, the staircase scene we were talking about earlier, Shelley Duvall is actually terrified in that because they've been running that same scene for like minutes and minutes, like hours and hours. They've been <laughs> going and going. Oh no, start it again. You didn't. You got to go around this side of the chair. Start again. That's that's. <laughs> it's crazy. just all kinds of nonsense. Just pure exhaustion and terrified. Yeah, but but to get them in that state, I mean, you got to think that Jack Torrance is at a point where all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Mm. He's written an entire book of this sentence. He's he's off his rocker. He's cracked at that moment. It's about time his wife hit him in the head with a baseball bat. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, just give him a good little thwap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Not, not you know, sponsoring domestic violence. Don't hey, yeah, like, but if your husband's demon possessed, you know, good maybe if he's demon depressed. D- demon depressed. That's my demon high possessed. school. No, or both. You know, demon you depressed. Know. Demon depressed. 
<laughs> be careful with your blunt objects and think your you know your actions you know thoroughly. Here. Absolutely. Um, obviously, he tries to kill his family. He kills Scatman Carruthers. Um, he chases Danny into the big hedge maze that's in the back, and Danny is the only one that can get out of the maze. Now we see him and his mother doing the maze earlier, but. As he's being chased through the maze in the snow, driving snow, it's coming down. Um, Danny sees his footprints in the snow. Danny's a little genius. And he retraces his steps and then steps off to the side, smothers him out, and goes to hide somewhere. And his dad gets to the end of the steps, Jack with his axe, and he doesn't know where he went. So Danny, of course, waits till he leaves, runs back out. Him and his mom get in the snowcat. They go home, you know. Live the rest of their life as terrible, terrible, terrible depressives. Because <laughs> uh, there's no but, recovering from that. We'll see in Dr. Sleep. the satisfaction of, we got away. They got away. So, uh, <laughs> I wonder if Shelly Duvall is going to be in Dr. Sleep. That'd be cool. I doubt it. I mean, she is As pretty, old Danny's mom. She's pretty ill, like, mentally. It's true. Well, but, I mean, so is Gary Busey. They keep putting him in movies. Yeah, this is different. Gary Busey, I'm convinced, has, has a little been. bit of an act going. Just a smidge, just a well, smidge. Well, I mean, he did get his brain damaged. Yeah, he did, but he's... Anyway. That's another argument anyway, for another, another time. Another time. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about the great Gary Busey movies one day. Um, <laughs> but they get away, and Jack is left to, fro- left to freeze to death. In a very, like, very abrupt, like... Very abrupt cut from him screaming through the... He, he's screaming after Danny. That and was driving his snow. freezing. Yeah. And then as as and then it's just a hard cut to him frozen, mm-hmm. and no one's gonna discover him until May. They said. I mean, they, not even May. Like if they get back to civilization and tell the police, the police oh, might that's send very a true. squad over and investigate. Very true. Very so, true. So and like some people go into the. What if that snowcat was out of gas? And they had to walk the rest the rest Oof, of the way. Boy. No, I mean just like they went out of they left the hotel right in the snowcat. But Scatman ran out of gas. Scatman's no dummy. He would have had reserves. Gas tank. Yeah, you're right. You're right, absolutely. And He's they also prepared for the trip back. Also, they had another snowcat. Yeah, got sabotaged. Mm-hmm. So they would have gas. They threw the gas from that bad boy. Even though they just drove off in the movie. But anyways. But I doubt Scatman would arrive there without backup. <laughs> Sorry, you know I had to do it once at least you guys. <laughs> um that has been our talk about The Shining. Man, we could literally talk about this movie for yeah, two more hours. This goes on forever. We can um, talk about the mathematics behind it. All I, I didn't talk at all about the Minotaur and the Labyrinth things. Symbolism, all that craziness. Uh, the connection between the Shiners. Um, we didn't mention, oh, uh, here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. Um, the Which wonderful was moment. improvised, was it not? It was improvised by Jack Nicholson. Uh, and it works. It definitely it works to this day. And I think... Here's Johnny might be more famous from The Shining than it is from Here's Johnny Carson. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it sure. might, like, people, uh, people our age don't know Johnny Carson, but they mm-hmm. know Here's Johnny. It's been parodied so many times. Like. Um, but it's a great moment. A uh, little fun fact. They had to, I think I told you this while we were watching, um, in the moment where Jack is chopping down the door to come kill his family. Oh, yeah. Um, Jack Nicholson was a volunteer firefighter back in the day. And so they had to keep uh, bringing in new doors because he would chop through the doors hella fast. Because <laughs> uh, he knew, yeah, because he knew how to chop down a door from the firefighter days. So I think they went through like three or four doors, and they were like, "Okay, wait a minute, let's let's try to." <laughs> um, also, one of the best 
we didn't talk about the camera work. We didn't talk about the lighting. We, we, there's a bunch in this movie, guys. There's a ton to talk about. Um, maybe a commentary one day. Well, well I mean, maybe we can just do a Cooper episode one day. Ah, that'd be good. And one. just get into the full nitty gritty of way. the techniques. techniques. But um, the one cool one is when the Jack is swinging the axe, they had the camera on a tripod with a swivel. Mm-hmm. So whenever he was swinging the axe, they would swivel it back so you could see him and then swivel it back to see it hit the door. Mm. And it happens. They do it first when he breaks through the room door. And then when he's breaking through the bathroom door, they do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's just a great little, little film technique. Yeah. You know? Something so simple. Very a tripod. Clever. Very clever. You don't need a stuff. fucking drone or a, a scale arm. You don't need well, all this nonsense. Very little innovative, yeah. like, ahead of its time. Very ahead of its time. But that is going to be it for our Shine discussion. Uh, part one. We'll do a part two eventually and actually get into it. But uh, that'll be it for us for now. Um, we did see the lighthouse. Uh, we got a little light reactions in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, uh, we're talk about Marvel a little bit. Um, we talk a lot, a lot of stuff. Just the industry, Batman, all that kind of stuff. Everything. You know, um, whatever. Rob Pattinson is going to be the best Batman. I'm yes, calling it now. Um, but <laughs> for now, that was going to be it for our shining discussion. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to be talking about a bunch more stuff. Yeah. Peace. See you. But it, it, not even in the sense that America's been outpaced in terms of box office, which, I mean, that's starting to be true yeah but, but like we you still said, reign supreme yeah like you said that's also a product of the um yeah but not that america hasn't reigned supreme and does still reign supreme in the film world but i just think that beyond dollar box office amount the amount of the diversity of programming being put out is mm-hmm. nowhere near the same as it was back then back then you got to think in like Golden Age Hollywood, you know, the 40s through the 60s. Yeah. Or earlier than that, really, the 30s. But anyways. Some Chaplin days. Yeah. Um, you got to think that America was putting out dramas. They were putting out comedies. They were putting out romance movies. They were putting out action movies. All kinds of shit. And now, action movies, quote, unquote, the back then. The spectrum of the genres. Yeah. Like, action movie back then was like Planet of the Apes. <laughs> but I mean, hell, even Chaplin, Chaplin was action. Some yeah. Stunts he... Very true. Uh, and I mean, uh, Buster is the same. Buster Keaton's the same yeah. way. Um, action has changed. But yeah. The, just the diversity of films that were, they were being put out back then was way beyond what everybody else was doing. I mean, French New Wave hadn't come out. It wouldn't come out for another couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, at Germans, they, they did great. I mean, the, that's the, the descendant of, of that is like detective movies nowadays. Yeah. But for the most part, each country had like its specific type of films. You know what I mean? Yeah. America was just putting out every fucking thing. We were doing all of the genres. But now, it's flipped. Almost exactly flipped. Because mm-hmm. now, America makes... Action movies. They make spectacle or adventure, action-adventure movies. For I would the most say part. we do a... Here's the one thing, like, when they talk about, like, lack of originality in movies. Like, I say we still are doing all the spectrum of the other things. Just the marketing for all those other genres other than franchises aren't right. getting their pay due. Like, me and you, we just came back from an A24 movie. So, That's like, true. And there's tons of A20... Like... We talked about this on our last episode uh, a few days ago. Like, the most movies we saw all year were original Originals, movies. yeah. So, That's very true. 
And I think that's kind of what um I mean we haven't we haven't yet talked about this even off mic. Um, that's kind of what the the Martin Scorsese versus Marvel discussion really boils and down to. He's wrong, and I love Scorsese so much. Well, he's he's, wrong. he's he's right and he's wrong because I think that what he's really bemoaning when he talks about like oh Marvel movies aren't cinema, et cetera, et cetera, which he didn't say. He said he considers them not cinema, which he's Martin Scorsese. Yeah, but anyways, I I think that the promotion and distribution of the movies is what's really the issue at heart. Because, I mean, you can go on... If there's a Marvel movie coming out, you can guarantee you're going to see an ad for that Marvel movie that yeah, day. You're not wrong. You know what I mean? Now, The Lighthouse, I did see quite a bit of advertising from this. Maybe that's just because A24 has a lot of money in the bank. But I, I think that it wouldn't have been promoted as well if Robert Pattinson didn't have a comic book movie coming up. Well, what I, would ask, what I would ask, though, is... Is that Disney's fault if the individual studios studios aren't putting as much into marketing, or is that Disney's fault? Like you know what I mean? Like no. So I was just like, yeah, these big blockbuster movies might overshadow it, but is that really right. the blockbuster movies' fault, or is that the studios' fault for their marketing? So, yeah. Uh, uh, but like, I think it's more of a a where the where the funds are being chosen to be spent. Here's my biggest issue with Scorsese and his words. He uses the word invading as if it's taking over. Right. But like I mentioned like not even two minutes ago, the most movies you saw this year were all originals. Yeah. So. But uh, point counterpoint, that's because we just ended the big ass Marvel cycle. But I I agree with you. But there's still only two movies a year versus the what, 10, 15 that we saw that were original this year that we all liked? But I think a a big part of it is it's it's the hype train that Marvel's able to produce. But that's not Marvel's fault though. That's the studio's fault. It's not their fault, but it is by design. But they I mean, intentionally. Just, I mean, the the way that the Marvel thing is set up, it's a food chain essentially. Yeah. So that you see the teaser for the next one, mm-hmm. and you're talking about the next one until the trailer comes out for the next one, and then you see the next one, and you get another teaser. You see what I'm saying? It's you're being. It's just rope. You're all. You're constantly getting more knots. You know, as you go along, you get more knots. Then, Not to say that's yeah, a bad thing. Then we would have but, to be in the minority. Then that we just do both. See, we yeah, do both. I would say so. Well, I'm, hmm. Because, I mean, like, I mean, really think, if that's what they're really complaining about, then we are in the minority. Yeah. I just think, I mean, because a big we, part we of, um, love both. I we was, love our house films. We I was watching, uh, yeah, that's very true. I was watching, um, this film critic I really, I really do admire, actually, called Movie Bob. Uh, strange name. He's a pretty a serious cool critic. dude. He's not bad. Um, Blazer, you know. But, uh, Blazer, Ray-Bans, you know, <laughs> nobody can see me reading the script. But um, (laughs) he just uh, did an episode talking about this. And basically he was saying that um, for the most part, the Marvel movies being converted from comic books is the same thing that George Lucas did and Francis Ford Coppola did and other artists of that ilk, Steven Spielberg, did with the serials of their time. Um, Yeah. I mean, Indiana Jones is a comic book that George Lucas read when he was a kid. It might it be just... arguable that, like, Goodfellas may not have happened if it wasn't for Godfather, maybe. Very true. And Godfather was based off of a long airport book, more or less. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Mario Puzo, don't... I got don't, my problems I know you got shooters, but Godfather has, is, is yeah, solid. The, the fil- and, I mean, the film is a great interpretation of it. 
and, and I, Francis Ford Coppola is in this because he also made comments. Goodfellas his, is far superior, but yeah, whatever, it, but, uh, you know. um, his were a little less savory than Martin's. He kind of went for the jugular. It's like, dude, you haven't made anything good in like thirty yeah, years. Yeah, him to say that like Marvel movies are despicable. It's just like, come on, old man. Like, you did. You made Godfather three. Not only that, but he, <laughs> I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he either was on board or is on board. With the Jeepers Creepers three movie that came out like a That's year. That's true, ago. and it's like straight to DVD. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, come on, old man. Like, yeah, so I, I mean, best thing he did was have a, a cool daughter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's not that great of a director. Yeah, but I will but, tell you, Lost in Translation oh, has a key movie. to my We're heart. We're gonna talk about that one day. One day we will. Uh, but we'll gush um, over that. I, I think Martin is a little more warranted in talking Martin about it. Martin hasn't really let me yeah, down. He's ever. He's uh, Gangs of New York, maybe. Really? I mean, I would say Aviator more than Gangs of New York. Oh, I love Aviator. I love all of them, but, like, Aviator was probably the weakest one for me. Okay. But but either way, the man is the greatest living filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's nobody better. Um, And he actually, he has a point, in in my view. And I, but I think that it's more to the point of, like, he had to go to Netflix to get funding for this movie. Once they saw that the movie was going to be a hundred million, the Irishman, excuse me. Yeah, but I think that, from his view, coming from before there were even movies on demand, before there were even VHS tapes, Martin Scorsese was making movies, you know? So he, he, his view of what a movie is, is like cutting film and, and, you know, really... Well, no one wanted that budget. No one wanted the de-age De Niro. Yeah, Nobody of course. And, and I mean, but see, I, I think that his big problem was that in trying to step into this new age of using new technology, et cetera, et cetera, he couldn't find the funding when a Marvel movie that's breaking ground with the technology that it's making in certain areas. Fix Black Panther, please. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind a remaster it, of Black Panther. I wouldn't mind. Just fix the CGI, guys. They could do that easily. Easily. Six easily. more months of work. Whatever. Easily. Pay for it. <laughs> but anyways. Um, I just think that in his view, it's like, man, they're playing with all the toys. And I'm... As good as he is, which he's great, he can't get a film greenlit, which is the same or a smaller budget than a Marvel movie would be. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, and you make a great point because he is the master, and yeah. he should like they should just listen to him and yeah, give him whatever, what he wants. Whatever but works. at the same time, he made like, silence and it was still good. But it's the same thing with um, what was the one with uh, Army Hammer and Johnny Depp, the uh, Lone, Lone Ranger. Ranger. No Western on the face of the earth. Needs to be a two hundred million dollar rumored budget. to have been five hundred million dollars. Yeah. I'm saying it's like money. no Western on the planet Earth needs to cost that much. It's the same thing with the gangster. But movie. True Grit looked amazing. I, well, True Grit was nearly <laughs> the remake. It was it was it was up there. It was the not, remake with uh, was, James, uh, uh, with Jeff Bridges. Yeah, but I think it was a hundred mil. Well, let me check that. I don't want to speak out of turn. That's still, like, way less than, like, yeah, the you're Ranger. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Things, like, the whole point is, like, a gangster movie doesn't need to be that expensive. So, like, sure, like, if I was a producer and I had all the money in the world and Scorsese was, like, give me the money, I was like, yes, pie, take it. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, whatever you want, just, whatever you want. I would trust him with the utmost sincerity, but, like, if you're a fat cat polished, you know, not politician, if you're a fat cat producer and you have all this money, it's just, and all these dudes, they think they know better than these directors. It's just... You gotta like look at it from their perspective. It's just like you want to make a gangster movie about uh, what's his name, uh, the guy Hoffa, and you want like this. Well, you want honestly, of millions of dollars. One of the most famous mob figures. I mean, it's 
I mean, uh, it seems you know, like there's it's... cheaper routes to go for that plot. Yeah, very true. Very so, true. So, like, it sort of makes sense why studios turned down Scorsese, even though, like I said, I would give him the money. But I just feel like he, he feels a certain way when, for instance, they turn him down for that, right? Yeah. It's a great movie. They know it's going to be a great movie. Yeah. It's smart. There's no one's doubting it. Yes. But just but they turned him down for they turned him down for that hundred million dollars. Yeah. But they'll make Suicide Squad two for hundred million. You see what I'm saying? So but if he goes to Warner Brothers, work though. Suicide Squad didn't though. It still made fat cash. Yeah, but my my whole point and is it's, just that it soundtrack made a fucking Oscar, if I'm not mistaken. My whole point is like, just that it like it, if he's going to Warner Brothers or who whomever because Warner Brothers is the one that distributed Goodfellas. That's why I picked them guys. Yeah. So if he's going to Warner Brothers, like, hey guys, I got a hundred million dollar film. It's me, Marty. I just made Silence, a movie about Japanese Christians, that and everybody loved shit, it. Though, but that movie didn't make shit either. I was like, Silence made its money back. If I, remember I was the correctly. only one in the theater when I saw it. When did you see it though? I saw it literally day like, release. No, the moment it was released in Tampa, at really? least. I mean, it was obviously released in L.A. and New York before it came to Tampa. But like the second it came to Tampa, where we get the sloppy seconds, I was there. I drove. All the way to Citrus Park Mall, which you know is out of the way. <laughs> to those of you, we're not going to get on geography, but yeah, yeah it's you, out of the way. To those of you who don't live in Tampa, that's far away from me. And I went and saw it, and I was the only one in the theater. I could have been. Was it the Sabbath? Did you go? Did you go on a day when the Catholics are <laughs> <are> in church? <laughs> they might have been. I was saying I could have thrown a party. I could have done like somersaults in that theater, and nobody would have cared. But it was a great movie, though. It's a great. See, and that's the thing. I I mean, I understand. But just that, like, that's maybe my, that's how I kind of see it in my head. Like, if he goes to Warner Brothers and asks for all this money, which they know he's going to give him a great product. Yeah. But they turn him down. And the next week later, he sees James Gunn, who's made a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. get $100 million for a Suicide Squad movie. And he's like, well, that's my happen. movies are better than Guardians of the Galaxy, which they are. But Suicide Squad is going to have an exceptional amount of CG. Whether, like, no matter how grounded yeah, it is. Very true. The very stunts. True. Like, I'm just saying, I would I would point counterpoint. So would the Irishman. I mean, how much did Mad Max Fury Road cost? Seventy million. So I'm saying, it's let like me eight, let me check that. But go ahead. Like you can only assume that maybe James Gunn's Suicide Squad would probably be trying to implement the effects the same thing as Suicide, like not Suicide Max Max Fury Road. Similar. Oh no, one fifty. My bad. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's I mean, a very it's like, expensive movie. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like with the set photo that I've seen, like. A lot of it looks pretty practical and... Of Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry if I'm, like, you know, mixing up my words here. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Just... I was making sure it wasn't the Irishman because I was like, no, it's pretty much video game well, I mean, all most, the way through. Most of Irishman's budget is the state-of-the-art for what they say, the aging effects. Yeah, on um, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino. The newest trailer... The effects aren't that great. The best it looks it, like Call of Duty uh, Big Red One. A little bit on the PS2. The best effects it looks on is Pesci. There's a shot of Pesci sitting at the chair, uh, no, at a table, like by himself with a candle, like at a comedy club or something, and he looks just like how he did in Home Alone. Mm. And I didn't tell the difference. It wasn't until I read in the comments that it was CGI. I feel like, uh, but everyone else looks. A little iffy, yeah. But I'll, I'll I'll survive. I, I feel like um, that's maybe a thing that's going to happen, uh, especially because uh, thank you, Robert Downey. Well, actually, thank you, Jeff Bridges, for bringing this de aging 
technology to the forefront. And I don't mind that horrible um, de-aging in Tron. It's actually not bad. Because Tron is a video. See, and then this, but, lies, lends, this lends to my point. You can uh, let us slide. Basically is that because we know how these people looked when they were younger, the CGI, the Uncanny Valley gets wider and wider. Yeah. Because when I watch... Uh, Civil War, the beginning of Civil War, it's like, I know what young Robert Downey Jr. looks like. They actually and that, good, It though. looked good. Yeah. But I was like, that's not young... Or a better example, uh, the recent movie Gemini Man, which mm-hmm. we haven't seen yet. I might see it independent. Yeah, I, um, I might too. We'll, we'll but see. in seeing the, you know, state-of-the-art CGI on the facial deconstruction, all that other stuff that Ang Lee uses, I was like, okay. But I know, like intimately what young Will Smith looks like. Yeah, <laughs> like too. I've seen in my entire life. Yeah, me too. So seeing de-aged Will Smith, like it doesn't look like him. It looks like de-aged old Will Smith. Yeah. And I, and I think that might be a little bit of the problem that we're running into with the Irishman. It's like, no, but I've seen Bob De Niro. And he doesn't look like that when he was younger. He looked weirder than that. Or I, strange, you know, I mean. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, you're not wrong. Like, it is noticeable, but I'm willing to, like, ignore it a little bit. Same way, like, oh, I was yeah. just about to say with Tron, with Jeff Bridges. Yeah. But the, the excuse with Jeff Bridges and Tron is, like, you can excuse it as, like, that's Clue. That's a program. Right. Like, he doesn't need to Yeah, look, exactly. It's like, a computer-generated image, copy, which is yeah. exactly what CGI is. So, like, that's the one, like, thing that made me, like, not step out of, like, the realism. Yeah. And but, I think like, in that instance, it worked great. Yeah. And but I, since then, it's been... But me seeing Bobby D in, like, a World War Two like... Helmet sword, and... Yeah, and all, around. like, and you can see he looks like a Call of Duty character. Yeah. It's like, why don't you look like Travis Bickle? Yeah. If that, at that point in your life, you would you know what I mean? You would have been like Raging Bull De Niro. You wouldn't. But I don't know if that's enough for me to be like, I, I'm checking out. Right. Um, you know, it's, I'm checking out. Just it, put on yeah. your sunglasses in the theater. It looks good. Oh, enough. it's not going to be in theaters. Oh. <laughs> it looks good enough, and I feel like those scenes might not be as long as we might. Like, I it, feel like they're going to probably flashes. try to show us as much old. Modern day version of these actors. Well, as it is possible. a uh, except Pacino. It's a, it's a uh, court trial, isn't it? That's going on. It's in, a like, mob. The, the crux of the story. I mean, like it's about Hoffa disappearing. Right. Like, but I think like the Nicholson central part was the last of it. Person to play Hoffa. Uh, the central part of it is they're in a court case, and they and it's all all the stories they're telling are flashing back to what's yeah, in the story. A little bit, and like kind of like uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, how the Teamsters and all that like met up with the mob and all that kind of crazy stuff. And oh, man, just give me old De Niro, all his wrinkly face. And I love De Niro. I have a new appreciation for wrinkly faces after seeing The Lighthouse and <laughs> Willem Dafoe just terrifying me. I mean, what, hey, what about Ad Astra? Those dudes. Oh, that's like right. Silly putty, homie. Like, um, both. Who was it in Ad Astra? It was, it was uh, Sutherland, Donald Sutherland. Don't, no, no, and Donald Tommy Sutherland. Lee. And Tommy Lee Jones. And they looked like someone took a candle to a wax face. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Tommy Lee Jones looked the worst that I've ever seen a but, person. But they both had zany eyebrows. Their yeah. eyebrows were like sticking All up like twisted mad up. scientists. And then they had these really deep eye bags. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm For like, a second there, I thought... Um, damn it, I'm forgetting his name again. Sutherland? Donald Sutherland? No. Um, Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lee Jones. For a second, I, I was misremembering Tommy Lee Jones as Kevin Spacey in that role. Uh-huh. And I was like, Kevin Spacey would have killed that shit too. Because he has those eye bags. Well, especially playing a character that doesn't like kill his whole crew and doesn't give a shit. Only yeah, about the mission. he's just like trying to stay out, and he's stay going crazy target. with it. Stay on target, like yeah. yeah. Spacey would be perfect for that role. 
So for a se- I don't know why I saw his face, but Tommy Lee Jones, Spacey, Brad Pitt, Bradley Pitt, yeah, you, you couldn't produce that. Like Bradley Pitt no. towering over his head. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Anyways, um, yeah, man, I, I Martin. That's why in the beginning I said Martin has a point and he doesn't have a point. He's he has a point, but he's illustrating it wrong. I feel like he loses me when he uses words like invasion. That's yeah, I he, agree with that as well. Because like he really what he's bitching about is that people find superhero movies and franchises in particular popular. Whereas yeah. like still the movies that he claims to love and fight for are existing and thriving. I'm gonna suggest I won't they say are thriving. thriving. I will, because like like we said, like the the best movies we've seen, like Joker. Yeah, I mean, like best all, movies we've seen all year, except for Joker, have pretty much been original. But like all the movies that we liked and seen have made their money back. Like Midsummer made its money back. All Very true. Are, Midsummer like, made a lot of money. They released it twice. Like they're not making billions of dollars, but they're making their money back. Right. They're doing good on budget wise. So it's like, and they're also. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. But they're gonna keep going, is all I'm saying. Yeah, as absolutely. Long as, like. Especially with this horror renaissance we're getting, it's not going nowhere. Like, and I, I also feel that the the fact that, well, the the fact that Marvel movies, but comic book movies in general, are only just now getting uh, real award love. That's that's the easing that I would give to Martin. It's like, look, Martin, they're not taking any best picture awards. Yeah, they haven't won any best actors. No they haven't won any you. best supportings. Like, they're not, yeah, not only are not people not forgetting you, but they're also, these movies aren't getting accolades. Yeah. So if you don't call them cinema, guess what? The Academy agrees with you. Yeah. To a certain extent. Really, now, Black Panther is really the only love that the Marvel Yeah, and that one got nominated yeah. for Best Picture, and it won for costume design. And so it technically is it, the first it one. It won for um, soundtrack, um, too. But now I'm the saying. floodgates have also been broken up because, I mean, Spider-Verse won for Best Original. Mm-hmm. Or won or was nominated. I can't for remember. For Best Animated Feature, um, Best Animated, possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think that might have been a Disney movie. That but, like, out. if I'm not saying Black Panther got one uh, award for, what's it called? Um, soundtrack? Original. Yeah, possibly. The, the composer won, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Ludwig Göransson. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Sweden. We were just talking about Midsummer. Um, great damn job. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, but it, it, now the floodgates have been open. I mean, Walking Phoenix is going to get nominated. It's very possible that... Uh, uh, do you think Robert Downey Jr. gets nominated? I mean, it is the last time he's playing it. It'll be like a lifetime achievement type I mean, if vibe. he gets nominated... I loved him. He was fantastic. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but I just don't see the Academy recognizing it. That's all. I they do don't. love him, though. They do love him, but... I, I just I don't see them recognizing. It. I I, I could see it. Like, I get you. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I just don't see it happening. I don't see them caring enough. Um, I just very. I feel like it might be a combination of now. Of course, we have to see the rest of the movies that come out this year, but I do think it'll be a combination of uh, a lack of roles in that category. Because hmm. what do you think? Do you think that would be best best acting or best supporting? Who are you talking about, Robert? Robert Downey. Down, if they were to nominate him. I mean, it's acting. Technically, he's the lead of the movie. I mean, debatably, even Chris Evans was one of the stars of the yeah. movie, too. So it's, along yeah, well, with here's the thing. Hemsworth. Movie theaters, movie studios get to choose. They get to yeah. choose what they submit for. So they, they would, all had a lot of... I assume they would... They would he had top billing. I assume they would put him up like, as a leading man. I would man. say, that, yeah, leading man, but like, so would everyone else have to be a leading... I don't know. Like, I feel like 
Yeah, he was the grand finale of him dying. And they wouldn't nominate Chris Evans. As great as he is, I think, honestly, I thought that was one of his weakest th- performances as Cap, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> I don't know, him as, him wheeling the hammer was pretty It was incredible. great, but I thought, like, the, the end battle had all the color drained out of it, so you couldn't even tell who was who most of the time. Like, mm. Anyway, we'll talk, about end, we'll talk about Endgame at a later date. But, it, but anyways, if he were to get nominated, Robert Downey Jr., I think it would be... Benefit and of a whether great or not point. he's lead or supporting, that's a tough call. Right, but if he either for either, I would say it's a, it'd be a combination of cultural impact because Endgame is you know as big as it is, popularity of the actor because he's very popular, and also I mean it, weakness in the category. Let's be honest, this year we'll probably get De Niro for best for best leading for best acting. Right, De Niro will be nominated, I'm sure for supporting. For this year? For the Irishman, yeah. Oh, Irishman. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of yeah. Tucker. Uh, he'll be, I haven't seen Irishman yet. So. Oh, no, no. De Niro get nominated but, for for Irishman, I'm sure. Uh, De Walking, Pacino. No, yeah, no. he's going to get nominated. Um, Pesci, oh my I'm, God. I'm, I'm about 70% certain Joaquin's going to get nominated. 70 to 80%. Like, it'd be a travesty if he didn't get nominated. He doesn't have to win. But aside from that, like, I'm trying to think of, like, strong male performances. Shia LaBeouf. He probably should get nominated. Uh, we haven't seen Honey no, Boy yet. No, Shia LaBeouf should. I mean, uh, either for Honey Boy or for Peanut Butter Falcon. I mean, they're just, both great roles. I haven't seen. I mean, we both haven't seen. When, like, if I'm seeing Honey Boy, you're seeing Honey Boy. Oh yeah, we're, we're seeing Honey Boy for so, sure. So, but like, that, I could I could see Peanut Butter Falcon being that nominated. Huck Finn River scene alone. And, yeah, we were and, just talking about that off mic. I teared up. It makes me cry like a baby. Yeah, so I mean, so, he should get nominated for one of the two. Absolutely. It's the same thing like the Andrew Garfield uh, syndrome. Like, he was in Hacksaw right. Ridge, and then he was in, what else was the other movie? Um, that same year he was in... Uh, a Silence. Yeah. So two movies that everyone was sure that he was a shoe-in for the nomination for one of them, at the yeah. very least. And he, and I he think he nothing. did get nominated. No. Either I, him or Adam Driver got nominated. One of them got nominated, though. I'm, I'm almost certain he got completely snubbed. He didn't get nominated for either one. I thought he didn't win. Well, either way, I think Hacksaw Ridge won for best screenplay. Oh no, that was Get Out. My bad. Yeah, probably. I don't know. But anyways, if I'm not mistaken, I remember Andrew Garfield being one of the biggest snubs in the past like decade. No, I think from last I year. think um, for Shia specifically, I mean, he has like he's gotten a lot of award love this year with both Shia, film, with both movies. He's kind of come back publicly. Um, I, I think this is this will be the year. I if think, he does. I think Honey Boy, if he doesn't win an Oscar, Honey Boy will get him at least a director nomination or an acting Something. nomination. Yeah. He, he'll get a support. I mean, because like, he's playing yeah. his own father, so he'll be a supporting actor nomination. But I'm trying to think of like what other really strong roles we saw in um, this best year? best leading man category, best man, leading actor. Okay. I was going to say Booksmart. Cause, like, yeah, that, that, for that, we had plenty of arguing. I don't know scene. if that was, I don't know if that's argue, uh, Oscar worthy, but yeah, I agree I, with I you. I don't know, that arguing scene between them as friends where it even cringed you to read it want to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I had to close my eyes. But like, that's pretty like hardcore. Yeah, but and, I'm just thinking like from, from male roles, hmm. who else did we see this year? I mean, Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin's a shoo-in, man. You got to give it to him, right? Yeah, Absolutely. I I mean people I uh, I've seen a good amount of people get mad about that not get mad about that movie but have like have like a certain tone when they're talking about it as well, if it's not people want to find reason people think it has 
Uh, the media hyped it up like it was going to be some like white supremacist. Yeah, thing. everybody completely read it the wrong way. And when the movie, which is funny, because like Jay, uh, what's Jay's name on Red Letter? Oh, media? Jay Bauman from Red Letter. Jay Bauman, media. Like Jay Bauman brought up a great point. It's like they all made it out like it was going to be this racist white movement thing, and now that it isn't, the media has egg on their face. Yeah, and they have nowhere to go. And now they're talking about gentrifying a staircase in Bronx. Yeah, they're like, just... It's just like they're looking for any reason to make this movie seem bad than it really is. Absolutely. It's because to save face of their false predictions. And... Uh, it's just... It, it was such... And honestly, that was one of the best parts of this scene, Joker. It's like, oh, this movie has nothing to do with that shit. Yeah. This movie's about classism, classism. And mental illness, all kinds of other shit. Mm-hmm. It's like you guys can... And, but it, honestly, that shows you how the perception gets bent. Though. Yeah. And I mean, to a certain extent, that's what Martin's talking about. Where it's like, these movies take over to a point where it's not a movie anymore. It's, it, to a certain point, it's not yeah. cinema because it's going so far beyond cinema. He's not wrong, but like I'll just lay it out that I think it's the public's fault why they're not seeing these things that they're. Yeah, man. There's plenty. There's plenty like, of original movies. Even on Netflix, there's plenty of original movies. I can understand if you're seeing enough movies like me and you see on a regular basis, and you're complaining. Okay, at least you have. Ah. Um, at least you have um, a frame of reference. But if you're not going to the movies, I don't want to hear what the fuck you're saying. Yeah, if you yeah if you're not seeing at least like ten movies a year, you got to be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> like, on this one, I don't want to hear your input. Like, but if you're going to the movies the same as much as you and me, then okay, I, I'll hear you well, out. Yeah, we can talk. Um, one female performer. I guess I don't know why we're talking about Oscars. It's October or well November technically. I mean, it'll be it's here. Halloween. It'll be here before we know it. Very so. true. So it's November ish. It's October 31st, so Honestly, we'll if this it. was Fantasy Movie League, we'd be... We're far ahead. We're, I'm, I'm in the lead. I mean, we're recruiting for our Oscar yeah, nominations. Yeah, um, I think that, yeah, we can... Honestly, you know what? That'll be, it'll be our projections. Want to do a to Fantasy see who, Movie who, League? To see who gets nominated. Okay. So this will, that'll basically what it is. And then we the nominations get announced we can, in January. We can make future predictions for 2019. Very true. Um, one female performance yeah. that I forgot about, which this movie feels like... And the same thing happened with Get Out. It felt like it came out the year before. Yeah. Because it came out so early. But Us came out this year. Lupita. Lupita Nyong'o is definitely getting nominated for an Oscar for Us. Yeah, she, and she might win. She, uh, she was fantastic. Wrong. I slept on her. Heart. As as much of a and all, the movie honestly, was a letdown, but she was. Me. Let me let's make a little correction. Put an asterisk on the podcast. Academy Award winner, Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, um, she, she was, mother of the force. She was fantastic in us. Um, even though I did have my problems with us, we'll talk about we that. I guess in our, our year wrap up, um, we I saw it three times. You, we saw it together No, once? I saw it twice. I saw it with you, and then me with and my ex else. went and saw it. And so, you got, so you've seen it twice. I saw it once with you, and then twice on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it didn't hit me the way I thought it was going to hit me. It, it had a, a lot of holes. I say, I will say I liked it a smidge more, just a smidge more the more second than time. More than Get Out. Oh, okay, I was going to say more than Get Out. I was like, no, well, no, no, let's, no, no. let's get not go crazy. Get Out is way better. <laughs> yeah. But I liked it a smidge more the second. And not to get off topic, but this is what fears me about um, Todd Phillips. If he does do another Joker movie, I'm afraid he might be like a Jordan Peele. Uh, or he's a one-hit wonder. Right. It's like, I'm not saying the next movie will be bad, war, but it doesn't live up to his... Right. But like like I said, I went and saw with my ex to go see... Um, after me and you saw us, 
went with my ex, and I liked it just a little bit more, but it's still not even close. To yeah, it. not it, even close. It did things that didn't need to be done. Is kind of the best way I can put it. It was a little too ambiguous. Like it could have explained things more. Like whereas Get Out had the perfect. I thought it, I thought it should explain things way less. I thought it gave too much explanation. I don't. I. But well, well, you know, we'll talk about us yeah. at a later. Well, honestly, we might do like a commentary, maybe, yeah. or like a companion watch type thing. Because us is a, it's just like Get Out. It's a good one to dive deep on. Us isn't a bad movie at all. No, but, no, no, by no means. But we did have high hopes. For and uh, but I think uh, I say I, I mean, we say all that to say that in the us, Lupita's performance specifically, fantastic, saves the movie. Like it's incredible when she's on screen. Her range, like when me and you, I forgot what movie it was we were seeing. Uh, we were on the way to the movie theaters, and I we were talking. I don't know what the conversation was about, but we were talking about how Lupita could do great for like voice acting, and she yeah, genuinely like, digs that. voice acting from what I've heard. Like her range of voices, like right, like it's not even like that she doesn't try out for acting. Like she actually likes the art of voice acting, and like her doing like the weird voice, right? <clears throat> like voice yeah. breaking. Like she's incredible. Like she's amazing, and she really is. And I think that it, I think that it, it would be recognized. I think that's one of the ones that we can get, definitely say is going to get nominated. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like other stuff we saw this year that had like a really great performance, but there wasn't anything. I mean, I'm sure there's something I'm missing. I mean, we but uh, what was that? John Wick? But he's not getting nominated for that. No, but think. that movie, the movie itself was incredible. Same Most way, great. like, the Raid movies are incredible. Um, I think this movie, The Hustle, is going to probably get something that Anna, uh, Anna Hathaway... I feel like we should have saw Hustle a little bit. It felt very... Movie. Um, no, that's that's the J-Lo one. That's, that's a different. That's, that's a different hustle, movie. Though. That's Hustle. Uh, the hustle is oh. it's Anna, it's Anna, and the, or excuse me, not Anna, it's Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. Yeah, yeah. the Australian. Um, Chicken oh baby. boy, Nicholas Holt was in Tolkien. I'm sure oh, he'll get nominated. Not gonna lie, dude, I kind of regret not not going, going to theater. Yeah, you can still watch it. I mean, I do want to see it, but I want to see it on the big screen. I'm a little mad that I didn't see it on it, honestly. It'll never play again. Everybody's going to forget about it, just like that Stephen Hawking movie that only I remember. <laughs> remember that movie? Yeah, with Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne. Uh, Tomorrow Man, do you think that's getting any Oscars? Tomorrow Man. What's, who's uh, Tomorrow Man? Isn't that the... the, the uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. That isn't the Beatles movie. What's the Beatles movie? Oh, Tomorrow, or Yesterday. Yesterday. That movie, was actually, that, that movie was actually really fucking good. It won't get nominated, but it... It was really good, though. All right, our favorite, uh, our because fa- we're we're social justice warriors. Our f- absolute favorite movie of the year is definitely getting nominated for best screenplay. Uh, Booksmart. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, and might get nominated for best director. Olivia Wilde did a great job. Olivia Wilde did an amazing job, especially like, for a first directorial. I mean, for it, to, like I was saying earlier, for it to get the reaction that you got, where you couldn't even watch the scene anymore, yeah, because of how real and cringe, like these two best friends were fighting. It's too with. deep. I was like, oh no. It was. It's. Um, it's a great moment. It's a great. It's, it's like it's a great moment nestled right in the middle of like a great movie. Mm-hmm. You really feel that the actors were really like close in real life to a degree, like right, and that's it accomplished a lot. That movie, I feel like it, it really made us crack up. It made us cry a little bit. I would say, yeah, you know? I definitely teared up. In so the it's movie. just, um, I, I think that screenplay deserves to get nominated. Absolutely, for something. 
um, either um, screenplay or director. Like, come on, Oscars. Show um, Booksmart some love. The Last Black Man in San Francisco was another one. Neither I wanted to see it. See I it. wanted to see it in theaters. I did want to see that too. I think because I haven't seen it in theaters, or because I didn't see it in theaters, rather, uh, I kind of don't want to watch it. Mm. Even though I hear that it's fantastic, it's uh, directed by Joe Talbot. Uh, it's his first movie, actually, his first feature, at least. Um, and he directed and wrote the screenplay. Mm. So, you know, a little inspiration. It was only 4.5 mil. But, I mean, oh, it, killed it, it killed at festivals. Um, it got great rave reviews. Uh, I kind of want to see because it's semi-autobiographical. It's about a friend of his. Um, Who lived in San Francisco. Yeah, and it just adapted to the situation. And, like, him and the guy. Um, it, it'd be really interesting to see. But, I don't know. I, I feel that that's the kind of Oscar movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that kind of... What's the best word? Challenging story. Yeah. It's such a challenging story. Uh, the challenging story, subject matter, so the people brave. involved. Especially because I think Joe Talbot's an, an African-American director, if I'm correct. I, th- I believe so, so. I think I saw a screenshot at one point. So, uh, it, it could be cool. Shaft is winning any awards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no no Along offense, with, like, dozens Samuel. Of um, Dead Don't Die? We saw that one. Yeah, but I don't see that getting shit. Like, honestly, I'm just saying, like, uh, if you're an Oscar voter, you you really... It'll get a Teen Choice Award for Tilda Swinton (laughs) cutting zombies (laughs) in half. Jim Jarmusch, what are you doing, man? Can I just talk to you for a minute? I have a Jim Jarmusch. What are you doing bringing that movie up? You got your... It wasn't... (laughs) Hold on. It wasn't that bad. That movie's good. It's just... I liked Heavy-handed. It, I liked it more when I got out, but as the months go on, the more I think about it, the more frustrated I, I want to watch it again. That might be one that we have to do a commentary <sighs> on. Tom Waits, all that shit is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's just hanging in the woods. Just like Tom Waits is playing the same character he always has. So, uh, hey, I'm a prospector and once I live upon- in the woods. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> I don't fucking um, know, man. It's just... Yeah, I feel you. It's definitely not. It's uh, a hard movie to try to love. Like, Adam Driver's it's, cool. It's, Bill Murray's cool. It feels like the red-headed stepchild of zombie movies, which is like... Yeah, but it's a zombie movie that's like taking an oversized dildo and beating you over the head with it, with its message. Like, look at all these zombies looking at their oh, cell phones. Oh, it's just like we're cutting down the forest, you guys. Oh, look at these zombies on their social media. Like, it's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know, just that part killed, killed it for me. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, that movie's it's incredible. might be the strongest um, contender in the best screenplay. Top category. three. Top yeah, three. top three. That, Booksmart, maybe Honey Boy, depending on how it shakes. Mm-hmm. And maybe, who knows what else is going to come out. Peanut you know butter. how they shove all the movies into November, December. Peanut Butter is pretty fucking incredible. Yeah, Peanut Butter Falcon's another one. Hopefully that gets some screenplay love, like the nominator or something. Mm-hmm. But Tarantino's going to be Tarantino. He'll probably win Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor. At the very least, a nomination. Yeah, and I think that's another person that will be nominated. Brad will be nominated for Supporting. Brad deserves um, an Oscar, It'll probably honestly. be him and Al Pacino. Brad deserves it. Yeah, and I think this movie would be the one, because it really is a movie about him. As much as I love Leonardo DiCaprio, this movie's about, like, Cliff Booth and, yeah. like, being the badass. Mm-hmm. Beats up Bruce Lee, man. Come on. Cliff is amazing. But, I don't know, Kills man. His wife. 
<laughs> Doesn't afraid of anything. <laughs> hey, allegedly, we know damn allegedly, well he killed his wife. He allegedly killed both his of us wife. would have if we were in his shoes. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa! Hey, don't put me in that same boat okay. with you and Cliff Booth. I don't okay. want to be in that boat with a harpoon right, gun. I see where this is going. I'm, I'm leaving you out to dry. Is where it's going. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> uh, Lighthouse might get nominated as well. Yeah. Robert Pattinson should. Willem Dafoe definitely will for yeah. best supporting because he's incredible in that. He is that perfect sailor scum. Oh, just oh, the worst. I mean, like even in like not like spoiling anything, but like even with like his shirt off scenes, he's got that typical sail ship tattoo yeah, on his chest. Yeah, the big ass tattoo. At first, I thought it was like some sort of uh, like carving or like some sort of weird symbol. No, he's but no, some pirate just, looking just, He's just a like, sailor. Just loves the ocean. It's like, oh, you don't kill goals. You don't. <laughs> I mean, he was right. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, he was. But that is going to be the episode, guys. We had uh, not too long. Uh, I feel like we're going to do a deeper dive on The Shining at a certain point beyond just like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Like we'll actually talk talk about it because yeah, we'll there's so in much that. in it. Um, but we just kind of talked about, you know, general Shining stuff. But we also, you know, on this back half kind of had all over discussion. Talked about Marty. Talked about Marvel. We talked about... I forgot. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Whatever. You guys can hear it. You guys yeah. just heard it. I don't... I mean, if you don't remember, we're saying just rewind I'm gonna it. Like, what are you lazy? break it down for you guys. What are you, some kind of lazy? Do it. Like... <laughs> um, so, if you enjoyed the podcast, please let us know. You can email us at gmail.com. Uh, gmail.com. That's it. That's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's filmcastmail at gmail.com. Uh, you can also DM us on Instagram, filmcastpodcast. Um, just tell us anything, man. If you like the show, if you want more Shining talk, which we'll do probably in a commentary yeah. or something. I mean, what's it called? It's coming out. Doctor Sleep's coming uh, out. That's right. We can Whether do a, we can do we a like it or not, that one. Like we can answer um, questions and all that good stuff. That'll be a good one. Uh, but for now, that is going to be it for us. Uh, thank you so much for enjoying the show. Uh, please, please rate and review. That'll help us get up in the rankings so more people can hear it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been doing ads these past couple weeks. Uh, you know, I've been giving you guys a break from hearing us clunkily read that. Yeah, we're all so, like... So, you know... We're all like, share the episode, Yeah, share the episode with a friend, comrade. <laughs> I don't mean that seriously. Whoever's <laughs> listening, I love America. Waves a little flag. <laughs> America's great. You know, Fourth of July's right around the corner. you say corner. it's great or is it crate? Shush. <laughs> America's amazing. America's infinite. America's great. <laughs> infinite. Yeah, there you go. But thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, that is going to be it for our episode this week. We will see you next week. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. Death Day. Peace. See ya.